Well, this is the uh, fifth message in the series, Rise to the Challenge. And each week, I've started the same way, and I'm going to do so today, Rise to the Challenge. Life is a never-ending series of challenges from birth to death. That's just reality. Secondly, sometimes we choose the challenges, and sometimes the challenges choose us. We, we may choose to learn a new skill or to learn an instrument or take up a new hobby, but then there's times things just choose us in life, and we're either going to rise to the challenge or we're crushed by it. And then finally this. Unless we rise to the God-given challenges, we unnecessarily forfeit the God-given opportunities they bring. Challenges are allowed by God so that we can be stretched, so that our dependence upon God can be deepened, and we can experience His faithfulness, and we grow, we develop uh, as a result of rising to these challenges. Now, to introduce today's challenge, I'm going to ask a question that's going to seem a bit odd, and we're going to take a bit of a meandering uh, road to get where we're finally going to introduce this, but if I were to ask each of you how much power do you have, what might you answer? Now, I'm going to assume if you're like me, most of us, if you hear somebody say, what, what do you mean power? I mean, power, Randy. I mean, I, I, I think a power, I guess this is what you mean, is, you know, kind of like the, the movers and the shakers on planet Earth. You know, the, the political rulers and the celebrities and the geniuses and the super wealthy. But, but me, I mean, I don't, I don't see myself as having much power. What, what, what kind of power am I talking about, you might be wondering. Well, let me give you an idea of the kind of power I'm talking about. Picture this. Back in 1848 in London, England, there was a young 30-year-old man. This young 30-year-old man, he had some ideas. He had some beliefs that he was developing. He started writing them down, and he started proclaiming them. He started sharing them. He, he finally wrote something called the Communist Manifesto. His name was Karl Marx. Not to be confused with Groucho, Chico, or Harpo. For some of you, you're like, we have no idea what he's talking about. The rest of you get it. But Karl Marx, 1848, the Communist Manifesto. He's in London. He's 30 years old. Let's fast forward. The 20th century. The 20th century, the ideas that Karl Marx proclaimed were put into action. They were put in action by the Russians. They were put in action by the Chinese and other countries as well, North Korea being one. Can I just tell you? The result of his ideas being put into practice, 94 million people were killed as communism was tried and put into practice. You look it up yourself, 94 million people because of what was in his head, because of the ideas, because of what he proclaimed with his mouth. Now I want to contrast that. We know why we're here today. We're here because the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe, took on the humble form of a baby, came to the planet of his own making, revealed the truth about himself, the truth about life, revealed that even though he's the almighty, most powerful being in the universe, there's no one so kind, no one so loving, no one so merciful. He reveals himself comprehensively in Jesus of Nazareth, a peasant Jew who never wrote a book, by the way, and yet here we are today by the millions, and some would even say billions, who would identify as his followers. The movement started out kind of bad. I mean, after Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry, you could only point to 120 actual followers of Jesus. 
on the day of Pentecost, about 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion, you had Peter giving a message, and suddenly, as he proclaimed the message about Christ, 3,000 people said, I don't know who you're following, but I'm putting my trust in Jesus, and I'm going to be his follower for the rest of my lives. So suddenly, this movement that started out so weak, it, it goes to 3,120. Let's fast forward. 313 A.D., after 10 cycles of persecution by the Roman Empire, the Christian community from its infancy for 300 years was persecuted relentlessly. And after 313 years of persecution by the Roman Empire, a man named Constantine becomes emperor of the Roman Empire, and he converts to this one called Jesus. By 313, the church of Jesus had gone from 3,120 people to 5.5 million, about 10% of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was about 55 million at that point. Where? How did all this happen? How, how does it, I mean, what did Jesus do? Did he threaten anybody? Did he build an army? Did he build, build a political system? Did he write books? No, we all know that's not true. He proclaimed, he taught, he spoke, he shared truth about himself, about life, about reality and that changed a person here and a person there and a person here and a person here right down to this present day so what we want to talk about today is this rising to the proclamation challenge we live in a world where more and more we are we are scared at least cautious about what we say and who we say it with because people are hypersensitive about certain things today and yet from the start of this movement that Jesus started it, it's a movement that is based entirely on the willingness of Jesus followers to refuse to be silent their willingness to share to proclaim the truth as it's been revealed by Christ and as I said before, just to refuse, no matter what the circumstances, how intimidating, refuse to be silent. Listen to this portion of Scripture talking about power in Acts chapter 1. This is about 40 days after Jesus had risen from the dead. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, well what will this power by the Holy Spirit do? And you will be my witnesses. Well, what does that mean? Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth these are expansive circles you know so Judea or Jerusalem is is the where they were located and then you get Judea a little further out and then Samaria further out and then the uttermost parts of the earth but but I want you to see that that Jesus promised that when his spirit came he would give to his followers every one of Jesus followers empowered by the Holy Spirit to be those that would bear witness to Jesus, we would tell people everywhere about him. Now, when I first asked the question, how much power do you have? If you're like most people, you probably thought, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just an average person. I don't have much power. Here's the truth. It is not the movers and the shakers. It is not the money makers. It is not the political rulers and, and the celebrities. They are not typically the ones that actually have any power. Karl Marx had power. It turned out to be utterly destructive power. 
But you, as you sit here today, you that are actual followers of Christ, you that have made your decision in a world where everybody's following someone, if not somebody else themselves, in most cases ourselves, you made a decision that Jesus is worthy of my trust. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to follow him fully and freely and forever. He has won my confidence, won my reliance. You that are Christians is what I'm describing. You that have made this decision to be a follower of Christ because you trust him, you're the most powerful people on this planet. You just don't know it. There, there, there's not much to remind us. There's not much to encourage us. There's not much to motivate and stir us to understand this power that has actually been entrusted to us. You possess, Christian, you possess the power to take somebody's entire life and bring it into a transformational cycle that they will never regret. It will change them in this life. It'll change everybody they touch in this life, their friends, their family, their associates. It will carry right on to eternity. They will meet you in an eternal world where there's no sin, sorrow, pain, or death, and they will thank you forever because you weren't silent. Because the treasure that had been entrusted to you, to me, as Christ followers, this power to be those that are instruments to make the truth about God and the truth about life known, we were faithful to understand this power and to unleash it. That's what I want to talk about today. Let, let's talk first about understanding the power of proclamation. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, the apostle Paul said this. He said, I'm not ashamed of the good news. That's the word for gospel, euangelion. I'm not ashamed of the good news since it's God's powerful means of bringing what? Salvation. Now, salvation is a big word. It, it means salvation means that it's not just forgiveness of sins, although that's very important. It's not just the free gift of eternal life in God's kingdom, although that's really important. But it means that now God is welcomed back into my heart of hearts, into my spirit, where he can start to work with me and in me and help me grow and develop and become the human being I was always meant to become and do the things I was always meant to do, to become the Christ-like version of myself that God always meant me to become. It's this journey toward wholeness, health, that salvation. So this, but the means, God's powerful means of bringing this salvation is this message, the good news, the gospel, the euangelion. And he says that this is the means God uses to bring his salvation to human beings. He goes on to say this. It's salvation is to everyone who keeps on, what is the word? Trusting. It's when we put our trust in Christ our creator and become his follower that the Bible says we are saved our sins are forgiven we have eternal life we're as sure of heaven as though we've been there 10,000 years but more importantly we are in that process now of fulfilling the reason that God put us into existence to begin with we're developing to become the Christ-like version of ourselves. verse 17 it says for in it is revealed how God makes people righteous when I put my trust in Christ and become his follower now God can progressively set me right he can help me see and rid myself of the things that are wrong the things that are called sin he can help me see and impart to myself the things that are right I start to become the right kind of person I start to do the right kind of things I become a blessing to all that cross my paths it makes people righteous in his sight and from the beginning to the end it is through trust God wants a relationship with us 
but it's a very volunteer relationship it's one where he says here's who i am i unashamedly i love you i'm for you look i'm on this cross to let you know how much i love you i'm on this cross to let you know your sins are forgiven i just need you to be willing to trust me and i'll take you to the kingdom you were always meant to go to and i'll help you become who you were always meant to become i just need you to be willing to trust me and become my follower second corinthians adds this second corinthians 4 says but the apostle paul talking once again he says but we have this treasure meaning the message the message of christ that transforms brings salvation we have this treasure in jars of clay he's talking about our humanity we're weak we're fragile we're imperfect but we still have been entrusted with this power a power to transform a person's life in this world and in the next in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from god and not from us it is the message it is the truth about god as it's revealed in christ his crucifixion re resurrection his miracles his teaching it's the truth of the message that is the power i'm not the power you're not the power but we carry we carry the power the simplest of us the most imperfect of us if we've trusted in christ we carry this power and if we if we utilize it the way god intends it can bring wonderful lasting results in the lives of other people let's look at another angle on this in first corinthians 2 paul he's speaking very honestly very vulnerably here he says when he first came to the followers of jesus in corinth they were not followers of jesus when he came he says i came to you in weakness and with what great fear great fear and trembling my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the spirit's power we need to hear this this was the greatest servant that god ever had the apostle paul he served the lord for 32 years he ultimately is martyred by nero he stays faithful to the end but he acknowledged that when he went to this city called corinth and he knew why he was there he was there to tell as many people as he could the truth about god and the truth about life as it centers in christ and to reach as many of them for the kingdom of god as he could he says when i was there with you guys and the first time i started talking to you and sharing the message the good news the gospel he says i was scared to death i, I was literally trembling and i knew that my my communication was not going to be real impressive to you guys because the corinthians had a lot of intellectuals a lot of academics he said you know and, and i'm i'm speaking kind of broken greek maybe you know and he says so i know i was not impressing you with my style but it's not about my words it's not even about my fear it is about the words what am i trying to say i'm trying to say this message is so extraordinarily powerful it will resonate with open hearts of men and women boys and girls anywhere in the world at any time in the world any time in history it is not based on my polished presentation or your polished presentation it is not even based on my courage or boldness it's just based on the power of this message let me go on second corinthians 5 the apostle paul once again he expands he says he meaning god meaning christ he has committed to us the message of what is the word reconciliation reconciliation is a relational word you don't need reconciliation unless you and someone have had a broken relationship our relationship with god was broken way back in the garden of eden when satan slandered the character of god told adam and eve he says you know god tells you that if you eat of this tree you'll die he says you won't die you'll become like god yourself 
And so he slanders God. He insinuates God's lying. God's holding back from you. He doesn't really love you. He doesn't really care. He wants to keep you dumb. He wants to keep you down. And now Jesus comes, the almighty creator of the universe, the revealer of the Father, the revealer of the heart of God. And we see now that the almighty God, far from one we should distrust or be suspicious of or run away from, he's the kindest, most compassionate. He's the safest person for you, for you at any season of your life, for me at any season of my life. He's the, we always look for safe people, particularly when we're in, not in good times. He's the safest person, but he's also the almighty person, the almighty God. It says he's committed to us this message of reconciliation. God wants to bring us back into a trusting relationship with himself. Adam and Eve, before they were uh, deceived by Satan, they had a perfect trust in God. They, they were little by little learning his will, learning his ways as he visited them in the garden. They trusted him completely. They did his will completely. But when Satan slandered the character of God, they literally stopped trusting God. And you see in Genesis chapter 3, when the Lord comes into the garden to meet with them, instead of running toward him, they run away from him. They're hiding from him. So now God has sought to break the barriers of suspicion and distrust. I meet people all the time. I was one of these people. In my early years before I turned to Christ at age 23, when anybody would, <laughs> would mention religious stuff in any way to me, I would think, man, I don't want to hear that. Just, you know, stop. Just stop. Because in my mind, whatever was true about God, this is what I thought was true, is that he has an agenda that I don't want any part of he is going to spoil my fun there's a lot of things he's going to say don't do this and don't do that and stop this and stop that I didn't trust him I didn't I didn't understand that he wanted my highest well-being and happiness and that he actually knew how to bring me to it I thought by my experimental lifestyle you know just dabbling around trying whatever brought me pleasure I thought that was the way to freedom and the way to life but it was not it was the way to progressive deterioration and ultimately enslavement to a lot of things that I wish would have never happened in my life. So he's committed to us, to us, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Everybody know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a representative of another com com country. We are, as Christians, representatives, ambassadors, spokesmen for the kingdom of God. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through who? Through us. He's not yelling at anybody from heaven saying, I love you, I'm for you, I'm with you, trust me, and you know, I'll take you to be who you were meant to be. He's doing it through us. We, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul is saying, I, I go around and, and, I, and I plead with people, man, God has got the life you've always wanted, but he can't help you if you won't trust him entirely and follow him fully. Now, I want to do something with you. I want to take this same verse we just read. And if you are a Christian, if you've put your trust in Christ and you were his follower, I would like you to read it out loud with me. I'm going to lead you, but you're going to find something different. It's going to have all personal pronouns. It's going to be I, me. In this we see he has committed to, oops, you switched too soon. Too, too soon. He has committed to, see how it says us and we. Well, we're going to change that to I and me. If you're a Christian, say it out loud. Okay, now we can switch that. Here we go. He has committed to me the message of reconciliation. I am therefore Christ's ambassador. 
as though God were making his appeal through me, I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, that's the truth. Christian, that's the truth. You carry this power, more powerful than anything happening on this planet. You can change a person's entire heart, their feelings, their desires, their value system, their lifestyle, their influence. And you may start a chain reaction. Many of us in here know about these chain reactions. You're reached, and then you reach somebody else, and then they reach multiple others, and, and on it goes right down to this day. It is, a, it is a strong, empowering understanding to see that God has entrusted the greatest power on this earth to everyday, common, imperfect people that trust Him, that love Him, that are for Him. So we want to look then, if we've got this power, if God has entrusted this power, this extraordinary power to us, well, how do we turn it loose, as it were? How does it get unleashed? What has to happen? So let's look at this, unleashing the power of proclamation. Even though I have the power within me, until it's unleashed, it doesn't do anyone any good. It's, it's dormant. And can I just say one thing to you that, that you are Christians, and I'm not trying to sound weird to you that are here for the first time or something. There is a real being, Lucifer, Satan, the devil. I, I, I did a whole message on him in this series. Uh, a very intelligent, a very sinister, a very hateful, extraterrestrial, angelic being. And the thing that this being fears the most... I've often heard Christians say through the years, they say, you know, the thing that the devil fears the most is seeing a Christian on his or her knees. I don't agree with that. Meaning a Christian praying. Don't get me wrong. A Christian praying is a powerful thing. But if you're not praying for boldness and courage to open your mouth wide and proclaim to your world, your circle of influence, my world, my circle of influence, the truth about God, the truth about Christ, if I'm not praying for boldness to speak out and not be silenced, Satan isn't scared at all of our prayers. What he is afraid of is when you open your mouth, when you dare to tell the truth about God, when you share your story with somebody. Hey, let me, let me share with you. I don't know where you're at spiritually, but, but let me share with you. This is what my life was like before I trusted Christ. This is who I was. This is what I did. And then let me share with you how I came to trust in Christ. This is what happened. This is what happened. And now let me talk to you about the difference Christ has made, has made and is making in my life. When you simply share your story like that, you're letting off something beyond nuclear. When you tell somebody, do you realize that the creator of the universe has a wonderful, beautiful plan and purpose for your life? He wants to forgive you. He wants you to know that your sins are forgiven. He wants to, you to know you have eternal life if you want it, if you're willing to trust him and follow him. Not only that, he wants to help you grow, help you to develop right through the rest of your life and become the most beautiful version of yourself possible, a person that leaves a legacy of blessing behind every path you cross. You start sharing that message with people, and you watch, you watch. That's the power that's been entrusted to us. But it comes down to opening our mouth. Look at what Jesus said when he first rose from the grave. 
He met his followers and he said, Jesus came and he told his disciples, that's his followers, those that have trusted him, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. He says, get at it, get at it, go and make disciples. In other words, once I'm a disciple, which is what it means to trust in Christ and become his follower, I am to go and yet make other disciples. I can't do that if I'm silent. I can't do that if I'm never willing to talk about spiritual matters so he says go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the spirit teach these new disciples so now i need to be willing to open my mouth again i may not know everything but i may know something and i can share what i do know to help somebody take a, a step further teach these new disciples to obey all the commands i have given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's Jesus saying, when you are willing to do this, when you're willing to be my ambassador, when you're willing to get engaged, when you're willing to try intentionally to reach somebody for Christ, I'm right there with you. I was 23. I've shared this a lot of times here. I was 23 years old when I turned to Christ. And very quickly, I learned from reading the Bible that that this is what God wanted us to do. I remember when it first hit me, this truth that, that not only did Jesus forgive me, not only did he love me, not only was he for me, uh, not only was eternal life in his kingdom a certainty for me, but that when I found out that he was actually pleased if I would be willing to talk to other people about him, first of all, I was shocked that he wouldn't allow somebody like me with my past to, to talk about him, to represent him. But when I found this out, I'm telling you, man, I went at it with ferocity. I'm old now, and I'm still going at it with all the ferocity I have. I went first to my friends, all the dudes I hung with. I, I, you know, my, my friends in those days, they were my family. I, I grew up in an alcoholic home with no father. I lived on the streets in D.C. and just got into my share of trouble. All the dudes I ran with, we were all pretty much alike. First thing I did when I turned to Christ, even though I knew they were probably going to think I was crazy, I went to them first. I shared Christ with all my closest guys. None of them were interested. I went to my family, shared Christ with them. None of them were interested. Well, at that point, I started thinking, you know, I'm going to just start seeking people out elsewhere. And I seized every opportunity. I did crazy things for Jesus. I went up to strangers' doors, knocked on doors, and said, excuse me, have you ever considered, you know, your relationship with God? And I'd start, I mean, it's not the appropriate thing to do. I would, I'm not recommending you do it, but I didn't know any better. <laughs> and let me tell you, I was not effective, okay? <laughs> no, I, I learned as I went. I would get up in the mornings uh, down, down in D.C., and, and I would give out thousands of gospel tracts. You know, these little pamphlets that talk about Jesus. I would go to all the apartment developers and put them on people's doors. And I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that this is so extraordinary and wonderful. Not only does God love me and he'll, he'll, he'll own me as his kid, but he'll let me represent him and tell others about him. And I'm telling you, that fire has never gone out. Never, never, ever. That's what Jesus is talking about here. I have, you have, we have this treasure, this power. But the power remains dormant unless we're willing to open our mouths and identify ourselves fully. Let me go on. In Matthew 4, Jesus said this to his followers. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, 
and I'll show you how to do what? Fish for people. He was talking to fishermen. He said, I'll make you fishers of men if you follow me. So Jesus is saying, I, I know you may not know how to approach people. I know you may not know how to enter into spiritual conversation with people. He says, come on, be, just get, get in the game. Be my follower. Learn my will. Learn my ways. You'll see. Jesus' pattern is pretty clear. What Jesus did when you watch his ministry for three and a half years, he just looked for any way that he could help somebody, encourage somebody, bless somebody, heal somebody. And after he showed his good will, then he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. That's an easy pattern for us. You invest in people as you can, and then you invite them. You invest and invite. You invite them to church, or you invite them to think about their spiritual relationship with God as it pertains to trusting in Christ. But you just got to follow Jesus in this pattern. Second Timothy adds to this a bit. And this is where this gets kind of shaky for some of us. Uh, the last writing of the Apostle Paul, he's writing to Timothy. Paul was about to be uh, martyred. He says, for God gave us a spirit not of, what is the word? Fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Not of me, his prisoner. Paul was in jail about to be killed. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power. I'm not sure why I repeated twice there. It must have been a mistake. I'm sure it was not that way in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> We're fallible. The Bible is not. <laughs> um, so Timothy, or Paul writing to Timothy, is bringing something up. Uh, let, me, let me just ask you. For, for you that have... Um, Maybe I should start here. How many have ever in your life as a Christian, you've attempted to have an intentional spiritual conversation with somebody, and your goal was to try, if possible, to draw them to Christ? You wanted to maybe invite them to church, or you wanted to tell them your story of how Christ changed your life, or you wanted to just speak to them overtly about Christ and how He's the revealer of the heart of God, and He sacrificed Himself on the cross, whatever it is. But you intentionally had a spiritual conversation with somebody. Can I just see the hands of people that have done that? Oh, wow, a lot. That's wonderful. Now, is it possible that when you were thinking about doing it getting just ready to open your mouth is it possible that some of you had an experience something like this just when you were about to start the conversation thoughts just start flying through your head like nah man I'm not going to do this it's not the right time they're going to think I'm obnoxious they're, they're going to think I'm weird they're, they're never going to think the same of me again they're never going to respect me again this could hurt my career this could hurt my reputation in the neighborhood I'm never going, they're never going to want me as a friend again they're not going to invite me to stuff how many have ever had a cycle of thoughts negative scary thoughts that got to go through your head just as you're edging up to open your mouth and have a spiritual conversation can I see your hands again how many, isn't that interesting yes that's what he's talking about this fear comes, in my opinion, from the, the side of the dark one, Satan, Lucifer, the devil. And he seeks to scare and intimidate us and flood our minds with confusion so that we back away and we start convincing ourselves, no, you know, I should just be quiet. I should be respectful. You don't talk about God and you don't talk about politics with people. You just got to, you know, keep your... They'll, they'll see Jesus in my life. No, they won't. They'll just think you're nice, that's all. I hate when Christians say that. Well, I don't, I don't share Christ. I don't witness 
with my mouth i've witnessed with my life you're just kidding yourself that's not what jesus said to do by the way he said witness with your mouth and your life okay that they, they both should bear witness so we have to be willing to fight this battle through fear to be able to unleash the power of god in the lives of others maybe pause for a minute and think right now of some people that maybe you've thought about maybe you've prayed for but you've never intentionally just opened your mouth and started just having a conversation with them about christ or about you know his activity in your life ratchet up that boldness seek that boldness if you look in acts chapter 4 the the apostles were being persecuted and they were ordered don't you ever teach in this guy's name again and all they did was go back to their fellow christians and they said let's pray for god to give us boldness and it says they prayed the place was shaken and they spoke the word of god with boldness we just need to prayer prayer pray for boldness when all those strange intimidating scary thoughts make sure we won't be ashamed of the testimony about our lord now i'm going to turn you into something very different now because this series i shared with you i put together because i think we are living i believe we are living in a transition period in human history and it's a transition period that is moving toward the return of christ i've said it openly call me crazy if you want i think that most of the people if not all of us in this room will actually live to see the return of christ i say this because you know i've spent almost 40 years studying bible prophecy and things are occurring now that have never occurred in all of human history that are fulfilling these very specific very clear prophecies okay having said that i'm going to share now with you a portion of scripture that takes humanity right down to the end time just before christ returns i want you to get a sense of what's going on so here we go in the book of daniel chapter 11 then with smooth smooth words he now that he there i don't have the time to get into it, but that it's talking about what we would call in common uh, nomenclature the, the antichrist he's apollyon abaddon he's the destroyer he's the the beast from the abyss from revelation 9 anyway he's not human he's an angel that will look human but it's not human but the antichrist then with smooth words he will defile those who have rejected the covenant but the people who are loyal to their God will do what? Will act va valiantly. Are you loyal to your God? Because if you are, you will act valiantly. Well, what does that entail? These who are wise among the people will teach, what does it say? The masses. Now picture, this is, this is the end of the age. This is the time that Jesus called the Great Tribulation. The world is in, in a very difficult set of circumstances. But God's people are standing loyal to their God, and they are still teaching the masses. People will still be open to receive the truth about God and His love, probably more so in many cases. They will teach the masses. However, they will fall by the sword and by the flame and they will be imprisoned and plundered for some time it goes on when they stumble they will be granted some help but many will uh, unite with them deceitfully in other words there'll be false christians that try to penetrate to um, turn them over to the authorities in in some of the even some of these will stumble excuse me even some of these will stumble resulting in their refinement purification and cleansing 
until the time of what does it say the end for it is still for the appointed time my point is this there's going to be a generation of Christ followers that are going to still be sharing the truth about God the truth about Christ with people even though the times are becoming fierce to do so even though the cost becomes progressively high the risk higher to do so and if you and I are that generation God will empower us he will give us the courage we need when we need it but we have to settle some things in our minds and our hearts in advance Daniel 12 adds this it says and those who are wise and I hope that it's talking about everybody in this room those who are wise the people of God shall shine as brightly as the sun's brilliance and those who turn many to what righteousness will glitter like the stars forever this is talking about the end of time if you read the rest of Daniel 12 he, he's talking about the last three and a half years of human history before Christ returns and he's saying there's going to be people that are going to be turning others to righteousness I want you to be those people but I want you and I to unleash this power that God has entrusted to us now and it's a simple thing to do about eight or ten years ago I, I, I shared a program a message that I kind of came up with with our church and I've since kind of let it let it go but I want to at least give you the opportunity to seize upon this for yourself I, it's something I call the power of one meaning this that one person you me because of this treasure that God has deposited in us because we are called to be God's spokesmen God's ambassadors and he'll bring salvation to people through us through our spoken word about Christ to them we all carry a lot of power but it has to be unleashed so the power of one is like this it's the doorway for some of you that want this a doorway to an adventure with the Lord I promise you you take this this plan that I'm going to share with you and you you start to live it out you will be on an adventure with the Lord the likes of which you've never experienced before here's what I'm suggesting every year of my life I will prayerfully seek to reach one person or one family I'm asking you you want to get part of the power of one plan you say God by your grace every year for the rest of my life I'm going to seek to reach at least one person or one family for Christ I'm going to seek to bring one person or one family into the the family of God the church of God I'm going to pray and then I'm going to get at it one now you might get 10 you might get 20 you you may get many more but you're going to say for the rest of my life I'm going to ask God for this then you take these steps Matthew 7 says ask and it'll be given you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open so here's how this works ask you start praying for opportunities I remember when I was in construction work I did this uh, did construction work 17 years I was union carpenter 10 of which I was a Christian and I would pray I would pray for opportunities I say God give me somebody today that I can share Christ with and it would happen again and again and again did they all come to Christ no but some did some did pray for opportunities I'll bet you most of us in this room don't spend time each week saying Lord give me an opportunity this week to open my mouth to tell somebody something about the goodness of God if you pray that way I'm, I'm going to forewarn you God will answer those prayers pray for opportunities but then you have to do this you have to look for them okay it's not just praying and somebody comes up to you and says I don't know what's happening but I just want somebody to tell me how to be saved can you tell me how to be saved <laughs> it doesn't work like that 
you pray and then you're like you're listening you're watching people you're looking for conversations you're you're ready to turn the topic so you look for opportunities and then you seize the opportunities that's the big part that's where you finally say you know what i'm actually going to open my mouth i'm going to let them know first of all i'm a christ follower regardless of what they think of me from here forward and i am going to do what i can to communicate to them how much god loves them how much he's for them how much he wants for them to just be willing to trust him and so forth and I'm going to take that risk you may tell your story to them you may tell them what your life was like before Christ you may tell them how you came to Christ you may tell them what your life is like after you've been following Christ you may tell them what God is doing in your life right now there's lots of ways of doing this there's no perfect way there's only your way but the treasure the power is in you but it has to be released it has to be released I'm, I shared something with this congregation once before I'm going to ask again if God came to you tonight in a dream and you knew it was a god-given dream you knew for sure it was jesus himself appears in in your room to you to you in your dream and he says bob bill Ma mary sally judy whoever i want you to go and to share with 20 people 20 people the best you can just tell them about me tell them about what you experienced 20 people and bob judy sherry Willie, Dave, <laughs> I promise you, out of the 20, I know them. One of them, they're waiting for this. They'll never be the same. They'll trust me. We're all evidence, right? We, we were reached somehow. So the Lord tells you, you've got to go to 20. You don't know which one it is. You've got to open your mouth. You can't be shy anymore can't be respectful anymore <laughs> but he says if you open your mouth to 20 you'll reach one how many of us would do that if you knew it was a God-given dream can I just see the hands yeah so that means you'd have 20 conversations 19 of which might be uncomfortable I'm gonna tell you I've had more uncomfortable conversations with people about Christ than I've had comfortable I've had more people reject Christ when I share Christ with them than have turned to Christ but I have had my share of those that turn to Christ you got to take this to heart God our God tells us go into all the world and make disciples he wouldn't tell us to do something that we had no chance of succeeding we just got to get at it. We just got the Apostle Paul is a great example. He would preach to multitudes, and half the time he'd get beaten up for opening his mouth, and he would just go right back to the same city and do it again. So, you and I have to kind of get tougher about this. I'm not saying be foolish and fanatical and crazy, but with humility, tact, gentleness, but intentionality, we start doing this plan. I'm going to pray for opportunities every week. I'm going to then look for the opportunities and then when I see them I'm going to seize them because what's the worst that can happen they don't think the same of us anymore they reject us you know our reputation is dented a little you know the only reputation this is a, a little, little aside the only reputation I care about is the one I have in heaven with Jesus I mean I, 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 I'm what. <laughs> I want you guys to, to like me. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to stone me or anything. <laughs> but frankly, if you all turned against me and spit on me, and Jesus said, welcome home, son. That's all that matters to me. It's all that's mattered to me since age 23. 
is what Jesus thinks of me. When you get your heart and mind there, you'll find a new courage, a new boldness, and you will take this power that God has placed in you, in me, and you'll unleash it because it doesn't get it doesn't get loose until we open our mouths. They're not going to be impressed by your goody-two-shoes life, even though I hope you're living a goody-two-shoes life because their word and their deeds should match up. It's not until you open that mouth of yours that the power, man, the power. And you know what else? Sometimes it's those that you never expected to be reachable. They'll be the ones. They'll be the ones. And the ones that you maybe thought would be easier to talk to, they'll shock you sometimes and be combative so what let me close with this Revelation 12 we had this in early, one of our earlier messages it talks about a time where Satan and his angels are going to be forced down to earth in the last three and a half years of human history before Christ returns and it says though the followers of Jesus still on earth when this happens they overcame and conquered him meaning the devil and his angels when they come down because of the blood of the Lamb, meaning I know my God loves me sacrificially, Jesus proved it on the cross. The blood of the Lamb, and because of the word of their testimony, they refused to be silenced. I'm not going to stop. You need to determine, I'm never going to shut up about Jesus. I'm going to invest in people. I'm going to invite people. I'm going to share with people about Christ. I'm not going to worry about what they think of me anymore. I'm going to worry what they think about Him. That's what really counts. The word of their testimony, and they did not love their life and renounce their faith, even when faced with, what does it say? Even with death. We're not likely to be faced with death yet, but we might be faced with some rejection or some mockery or, or who knows. But the issue is too big. It's too big. So here, here's what I'm hoping you will make your mind up today. Regardless of what your history has been up this time, you're going to walk out of here, I hope. I pray today you're going to walk out here and say I'm going to release the power of God the power that he has entrusted to me I'm going to go on an adventure with Christ the rest of my life I'm not wasting any more of my days I'm going to reach as many as I can reach and I'm going to be one that is pleasing in the sight of God because I'm actually doing what he called me to do he does call all of us to do this to make disciples Man, I hope every one of you. Can you imagine what would happen if everybody in this room today said, for the rest of my life, I'm going to seek every year of my life to add one person, one family, every, every day of my life, every week. I'm going to pray for an opportunity. I'm going to look for an opportunity. And I'm going to seize that opportunity. Can you imagine the change that would occur, the lives that would be changed forever, the families that would be changed forever? It's all there. It's all in you. You are very, very powerful people. It's just a question, will we unleash the power? Let's pray. Father, we, we are extraordinarily grateful that you've revealed your grace, your love to us, and you, you entrust us to be your spokesmen, your ambassadors, to, to give people the greatest gift that can be given. You, you've allowed us this joy of sharing the treasure of the kingdom of heaven with others. May your spirit now just shake us a bit so that we're, we're not scared, we're not intimidated. You'll give us boldness, you'll give us enthusiasm, and we will take this new journey with you for the rest of our days. We will pray for opportunities, we will seize the opportunities, and we will open our mouths in your behalf. We ask you'll give us power and courage in Christ's name. Amen.